Welcome back to the Pete Space. Palette Life Sciences, sponsor of this podcast, is committed to bringing educational tools such as the Pete Space for sharing best practices and compelling conversations across a wide variety of pediatric urology and VUR topics. The content of today's episode is solely the opinion of Dr. Chris Cooper, Vice Chair and Professor of Urology at the University of Iowa, Carver College of Medicine. In this episode, Dr. Cooper will be discussing how gut microbiota plays an important role in many aspects of health, including weight, as well as how antibiotic usage can adversely impact the gut microbiota. Dr. Cooper suggests physicians think carefully about the potential long-term side effects for children placed on antibiotics. And now, here is Dr. Cooper. In the previous century, the standard of care for a child with reflux was that they were maintained on prophylactic antibiotics until their reflux resolved, either spontaneously or through surgical intervention. And toward the end of the last century, if you will, when I was at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, I was a fellow and I published a review of a selected group of children at that time that had reflux and we'd taken them off of their antibiotic prophylaxis and demonstrated that 90% of them seemed to do just fine with relatively uh, lengthy follow-up. So that approach and information was relatively novel back in 1999. And since that time, many studies have been done that demonstrate not all children with reflux benefit from daily prophylactic antibiotics. Well, more recently, I've become interested in the potential long-term side effects of antibiotics in children. And as most of the listeners know, we use antibiotics frequently, and they constitute one of the the few tools in in our toolbox, if you will. And we often use them without thinking too much about long-term side effects other than, will they have, you know, a short-term allergic reaction. But I think the problem is that no matter how specific and selective we think we're being when we use antibiotics, in a child who's got a UTI or even when we're using prophylactic antibiotics. The truth is the antibiotics wreak havoc on the gut microbiota. Now, the gut microbiota or the microbiome is actually one of the most complex ecosystems in the world. It contains somewhere between 500 and 1,000 different species that are living in our own intestines. So the analogy I use is when you're dropping antibiotics down down your esophagus, it's a bit like dropping napalm into a jungle. It's certainly going to wipe out what you're aiming for. There's no doubt about that. But it's also going to wipe out a lot of other things that live in that jungle. And then what grows back after you stop that, or even while you're continuing to use antibiotics, really is anybody's guess. So you might ask, well, what's the gut microbiota there for in the first place? What's it doing? Well, we certainly know that it helps enhance host digestion. It plays a role in energy turnover and absorption of nutrients. It's clearly a barrier against pathogens. I think a lot of us have seen this when we use antibiotics and kind of wipe it out, and then suddenly you get a child or a patient with Clostridia difficile, C. diff. Uh, You realize the importance of the normal microbiota there to fight off pathogens. It also regulates the immune development and response, um, and there's even a gut-brain interaction. What I think is interesting and needs to be kept in mind is that antibiotic usage changes and decreases your gut microbial diversity, and those changes may actually persist for years. So what I want to focus on in this podcast is really only the impact of antibiotics on growth in children, but I don't want the listeners to forget or underestimate the potential for impact of antibiotics on multiple other systems. 
There are studies out there that link antibiotic usage to uh, an impact on neurocognitive development, the risk of anesthesia, immune system abnormalities, even cancer. So remember, it took evolution millions of years to develop a symbiotic relationship between us and the bacteria within us. In fact, 90% of the cells in our bodies are bacterial. So by count, our bodies are far more bacterial than human. Let me say that one again. By count, we are more bacterial than we are human. So that fact alone should make us think twice about the long-term potential side effects we may create when taking something that inhibits or kills bacteria. Now, it should come as no surprise to the listeners that the use of antibiotics or antibiotic prophylaxis affects gut microbiome. We're all aware of multiple studies done in children with reflux that show that if they get a recurrent urinary tract infection, it is much, much more likely to be resistant to the antibiotic which they were taking. But I'd like to talk about the gut microbiota and its potential role in obesity today. It's been shown that there are different microbiota in obese and lean adult human twins. So again, these people would have the same genetics. But if you look at their microbiota, there's a difference in those twins that are obese or lean. And for those that are interested in what these differences are, lab studies in mice as well as human studies, suggests that obesity is associated with a higher firmicutes to bacteroidetes ratio. I'm not a microbiologist. I had to look up what is, you know, firmicutes. And that includes bacteria that we're, we're used to seeing. So staph, strep, enterococcus, clostridium, lactobacillus, for example, are all firmicutes. By the way, you can change your microbiota not only with antibiotics, but by changing your diets. So if you're on a high-fiber, low-calorie diet, you start to selectively increase your bacteroidetes. On the other hand, if you're on a high-fat, high-sugar, low-fiber diet, that's my favorite, you're going to increase firmicutes. I like history, so I was actually interested in looking back at the use of antibiotics in both humans and animals. And what I found was that more way back in 1946, he and his colleagues discovered over 70 years ago, I guess now, that if you put sulfonamide in feed that you gave to chicks, you could increase their weight twofold. And that was independent of the amount of food that they subsequently were given or were taking. Now, it may be interesting for my pediatric urology colleagues to know that uh, this sort of growth response is seen in younger animals at a greater degree than older animals. So about five years after Moore published his study in 1951, the FDA actually legalized the use of antibiotics in animal feeds. Fifty years later, the amount of antibiotics can be placed in animal feed has increased 20 times. Beyond that, about a fourth of the feeds out there on the market today contain antibiotics at an even higher level than recommended. Now, as you might predict, bacterial resistance developed, and because of that, in 1986, we had banned antibiotics for growth promotion in their animal feeds. And in 2003, the European Union followed suit. But here in the United States, we're continuing to, to use them. So there have been quite a few interesting studies on the growth effects from antibiotics in animals. And I'll summarize just a few of these. In mice, if you give them antibiotics, you can clearly alter their microbiota. This is then associated with a change in their carbohydrate and lipid metabolism. And ultimately, it increases their adiposity or their fattiness. 
there's a neat study that was done where they did fecal transplants in mice. And the stool they got was from human donors. And they got stool from either obese or lean humans, transplanted it into the groups of mice, kept the mice on the exact same daily caloric intake. And what they found was that those mice would start to take on the phenotype of the humans. So they could become either obese or lean despite taking in the same diet, all because they changed their microbiota. Well, humans are animals too, and we do know that short-term antibiotics can result in persistent changes in the human gut microbiota. So I want to highlight just a few of the studies that go over the impact of growth in humans. Again, I, I like history, and so when I look back, I found a study in 1954 that was published. It was published by Haight and Pierce, and it was called The Effect of Prolonged Antibiotic Administration on the Weight of Healthy Young Males. And what they actually did was they took Navy recruits that immediately upon arrival and formation on the station were put into three groups. One group got placebo, one group got penicillin, one group got tetracycline every morning at breakfast for seven weeks. And then they watched the groups and analyzed their weight gain. And what they found was a statistically significant increase in the group that got antibiotics. Now, it wasn't a huge increase. Uh, after seven weeks, uh, the, the average increase in the treatment groups was about four and a half pounds, whereas the placebo group had gone up by about two and a half pounds. But it was statistically significant. And if you think about it, the antibiotic was only given once a day and for a relatively short time, seven weeks. And this was also in adults. Now, there's multiple, multiple studies out there, dozens if not hundreds of studies that have shown that in humans, use of antibiotics often is associated with increased weight. But most of these studies were done in patients that had significant underlying conditions. And so as the antibiotics help treat those conditions, you would expect weight gain. It was actually a sign of improved health. But with that said, there have been some, some studies aside from the antibiotic studies in animals and mice that have come out and raised concern that antibiotic use in children may lead to increased weight and obesity. And so actually back in 2012, there was a study that came out and showed that infants that had received antibiotics by six months of age were, had an increased body mass at 10 to 20 months of age, as well as an increased chance of being overweight when they were toddlers. Well, then another study by Gerber came out in JAMA in 2016, and they said, hold on, you know, we're looking at a group of children. The majority of them had received very limited antibiotics. They had had one five to 10 day course before they were six months of age. And they followed them up and, and said, you know, even by seven years of age, we're not seeing a significant weight change. Well, then a large group a study came out of CHOP, and it was a review of over 64,000 children. And they had some interesting findings. They, they found that 70% of children before two years of age had been exposed to a mean of at least two courses of antibiotics. And it just shows how ubiquitous sort of antibiotic exposure is these days in children. They also showed that children who had more and more antibiotic exposure or exposure to broad-spectrum antibiotics, both of those groups had a higher association with later obesity. Now, it wasn't a huge increased risk, but it was about 1.1 times 
times the risk. And if you had more than four episodes of exposure, that risk went up 1.2 times. And both of these were statistically significant. Subsequently, there was another study that looked at 163,000 children that had been given antibiotics anywhere from age 3 to 18 years of age. And that study showed that there were some different patterns of weight gain. So if you had a short-term course of antibiotic, you might get a little blip of an increase in your weight, and then it would come back down. But if you had multiple courses of antibiotics or higher dosages lasting longer, they started seeing two other patterns. One was you would go up to a different growth curve and follow that curve. And the other more concerning pattern was that you would just keep climbing above and up and up and up above multiple growth curves. Now, how much weight are we talking about? Not a huge amount. So by 15 years of age, the average weight gain uh, above what would have been predicted was about 1.4 kilograms or around four to five pounds. On the other hand, the analogy I use is when we're treating children or making a change in children, it's a little bit like that change in the rudder of a ship by a degree or two. And after a thousand miles, you can end up at a very different destination just by a small, small degree of a change. And in children, after a thousand days or two thousand days, if you do something similar, where will they end up? So they gain four or five pounds by age 15. What are they going to gain by age 20, 25, 30, etc.? And what other impacts might that have? Well, in the largest study to date that came out in pediatrics back in December of 2018, Block and all reviewed 360,000 children, actually a little bit more than that. And uh, they too noted that close to 60% of them had received antibiotics by 24 months of age. And they found that antibiotics compared to no antibiotics did increase your risk of higher BMI scores and increased your risk of becoming obese or overweight. They also saw that there was a dose response with antibiotics and BMI Z scores, as well as increased odds ratio uh, for broad-spectrum antibiotics. By the way, sulfa drugs were uh, considered as one of those broad-spectrum antibiotics. So am I saying that daily prophylactic antibiotics are, you know, causing children to become obese? No, but I'm saying it's a factor that can increase their chance of becoming obese. Clearly, diet, exercise, uh, other conditions put them at risk and have major impact on obesity. Well, for our listeners, the question is, well, what about prophylactic antibiotics in children with reflux? There have been just a few studies in this population, and a couple were secondary analyses on growth using uh, data from the RIVER trial. Now, there's some limitations on the secondary analysis from the RIVER trial. For example, very few of these children were antibiotic-naive at baseline. Line. The numbers we're talking about are very small, so there are about 200 in the placebo group, 200 in the antibiotic group. Those numbers pale in comparison to the tens or hundreds of thousands in the reviews that I mentioned before. And so, really, the numbers are underpowered for growth analysis, and the follow-up is short, and there's multiple variables that we know impact your chance for gaining weight or becoming obese that weren't controlled for. But in a study looking at this in JAMA in 2017, what they found was that the largest increase in weight was seen in those with prior antibiotic use, although they could not prove a significant difference in weight gain or height reduction overall. Well, I joined with Hillary Kopp and Thomas Gaither and a few others from California, and we analyzed a combination of patients that were in both the River and QD trials 
trials that had gotten either antibiotics or placebo. And again, overall, with this relatively small patient population, we couldn't show a significant increase. But when we looked at certain groups, uh, we could show a significant increase in the BMI percentile in Hispanic and Latinos. And this is a group that's known to be at increased risk for weight gain and obesity. We also saw that infants compared with non-infants had about two times the risk of a significant increase in the BMI percentile. And again, this sort of goes along with the animal studies that show that antibiotics in younger children tend to lead to bigger impact on weight gain, and it goes along with some of the previous human studies and the reviews. Interestingly, those who had persistent reflux also had about a two times increased chance of having a significant increase in their BMI. And we're not sure why that is. Uh, perhaps it's because the antibiotics get secreted in the urine and then with higher grades of reflux or with reflux that's persistent, it puts it back up into the kidney and the antibiotic gets back into the systemic uh, system. Just really not quite sure why that would be, but that, that was a significant finding for us. Well, I was curious about my own patients. And so I reviewed 180 children that I'd treated here at Iowa with reflux and who had been on antibiotic prophylaxis for over a year. And obviously, I looked at both their change in weight and height, as well as their BMI. And the reason I looked at height is because there is some literature out there that demonstrates antibiotics can impact bone development. Most of the children in, in my study were girls, 146, and there were 34 boys. The average age when we diagnosed them was about two and a half years of age. And the follow-up was relatively lengthy. On average, followed them for four years. Well, what did I find? We found an increase in weight, but it didn't reach statistical significance. We found a decrease in height, but that did not reach statistical significance. However, we did find a significant increase in BMI that was associated with younger age at diagnosis. Again, that kind of goes along with the pattern we're seeing. And a significant increase in BMI if they'd had prior treatment courses of antibiotics before being started on prophylactic antibiotics. And again, that goes along with that dose response that we've seen. We also found significant increases in the BMI percentile. So you're kind of going up on your growth curve in those that were over a year of age. And in that group, 58% of them had received prior antibiotic courses compared to 32% that were less than a year of age which again, sort of makes make sense. You'd expect that. But it also, I think, demonstrates that these treatment courses also have a significant impact on altering your microbiota and your chance for gaining weight. Really interesting, 112 of our patients that started out with a healthy BMI at baseline either became overweight or obese. And so breaking that down, 18% became overweight, 9% became obese. So almost 30% of these children that were put on prophylactic antibiotics had significant weight gain and became obese. Why would there be a greater impact early in life? Well, one thing to note is that the microbiota appears to go through developmental stages after birth. And this may be why giving antibiotics early during development has a bigger impact. So one of the things that I took away from that study is that I used to think surgical intervention was more invasive than antibiotic prophylaxis. But perhaps surgical intervention is actually less invasive than prophylactic antibiotics and potential long-term side effects. So the question now is, if antibiotics do impact growth in children, as well as other potential long-term side effects, what should we as treating providers, as physicians, do different? Well, I think if we can better 
predict which children with reflux will ultimately need surgical treatment or who would or wouldn't benefit from antibiotics, we may be able to limit years of unnecessary antibiotic exposure. If I was a parent, I'd want to know if my child was at risk from reflux. I'd want to know how long I'd have to wait for the child to outgrow it. And what was the risk of my child having a UTI on or off antibiotics? Knowing the answers to all of these questions would help me make an informed decision about using prophylaxis or going ahead and correcting the reflux. Well, predicting those things, predicting resolution, time to resolution, as well as the chance of getting a breakthrough UTI is another area of interest of mine. But as they say, that's another story for another time. Thanks for taking the time to listen to me today. And thanks for considering the potential impact of anything you do or don't do for the children. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pete Space. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Cooper's perspective. Feel free to share with your colleagues while we deliver more pediatric urology-focused content in the coming weeks. There are some great resources for you and your patients at deflux.com. Additionally, you can learn more about our company and our products on palatelifesciences.com. Thank you.